Blog Talk Radio. Mark Russell, Presidente. Did you think that you were watching a, an episode or a, a, a reoccurring deliverance there? Buttons just weren't pushing right, but we're good. Welcome aboard. My name is Tom Mark Russell, Presidente. This is the thing that we call the balance. We do every Saturday morning. We talk about racing. We talk about uh, NBA, NFL, NHL. We talk about it all because we give you a good balance of sports and and, you know, hey, I'm on loan from God, so I'm going to guide you for the next two hours uh, through this crazy world of sports. And, yes, we named our show Old Canada, which is very fitting. Our first guest is up in Toronto, uh, Tyson Lonschlager. He's, he's calling to talk IndyCar, but we might sne- sneak in a little bit of uh, NBA Finals as well as they're ahead in the – battle for the nba championship first time that it's ever been in canada so uh, i tell you what i'm one of those haters call me a hater if you want i'm tired of seeing the golden state warriors so i'm on this raptor uh bandwagon for sure and then also we've got ed kratz beat writer for the philadelphia eagles as uh, in our official nfl contributor gonna bring us up to speed in some off season in the nfl some otas and so forth Yes, and then we've got the NHL Finals. My St. Louis Blues, guys, that's right, one game away from winning the Stanley Cup in the Arch City. So how awesome will that be? I hope that it comes to fruition. And then at the bottom of our show, the last segment of our show, is Mo from the BS Sports Show uh, joins us. And we're going to talk in more detail and get all the gory details about the Golden State Warriors and the Toronto Raptors. My name is Sal Mark with Sal Presidente. 917 is our digit. Stick around. It's about to get good.
trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike... You know, dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about any- all right, welcome back to the balance. Let's get things going. My name is Tom Marquisell, Presidente, and joining us now from the great country of Canada, Toronto, as a matter of fact, Mr. Tyson Lonsleiger. Tyson, how are you, sir? Well, Tom, it is a good morning in Toronto. <laughs> and it's not even about race cars, is it? I tell you it what. It is not. You're, 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 you're one game away from taking down one of the most dominant uh, NBA uh, teams in history, 
Kawhi Leonard, ready to go. You guys are ready to do it. You can taste it. You can taste it, but it's not there yet. We, we had you on the talking car, which we're going to do, but we want to give you a chance to talk about your Toronto Raptors, sir. Yeah, you know, as you said, one game away, series is at 3-1, to one, and we get to come back home on Monday night to hopefully finish this thing off. Uh, if not, you know, game six in Golden State. But, uh, you know, the, the way that this team has performed, a lot of people didn't even think they would make it this far. You know, it was pretty close coming up against the 76ers in, in the second series. And then, obviously, at Milwaukee, we started that series down 2 nothing and we're ultimately able to come back. So pretty much the ultimate underdogs here trying to beat uh, the most dominant team over the past, you know, decade or so in the NBA. Uh, so to see Toronto uh, this close to a title, which would be its first ever pretty, and really the first uh, major sports title in Toronto since the Blue Jays in 93. Uh, so this would be pretty huge if they can pull it off at home on Monday and I don't know if you've seen any, any of the videos from Toronto uh, throughout the postseason, but this city has gone crazy after games, not just in yes. Jurassic Park, but throughout the entire city. So <laughs> it, it'll be interesting to see if anybody can sleep on uh, Monday night if they pull it out at home. Oh, my gosh. I tell you what, I'm rooting for you because I'm one of those guys. I'm tired of seeing uh, Golden State win. I'm like, I'm tired of seeing the Patriots. But I could go on and give you a list. That's for sure. So I am definitely uh, rooting for you. But we brought you on to talk some IndyCar. Uh, IndyCar in Texas under the lights tonight. Uh, Tomoko Soto gets the pole. But I don't think we've had you on since the Indianapolis 500. If Did we? I don't think so. I don't think you've been on since the 500, have you? Yeah. Yeah, so, so it's, I mean, a little bit about the Indy 500. A really, a, yet again, a great race. And, and I think... Uh, if I remember correctly, Matt nailed it on the top of the head. He picked uh, Simon Pagano to to win. He uh, did. And I picked he Alexander did. Rossi, who ended up finishing second. So I think you had a pretty good uh, panel of all stars. Uh, on <laughs> I think we did. I had, I had Newgarden. I had Joseph Newgarden. So I was at least in the mix. At least Joseph mm-hmm. Newgarden helps Simon Pagano win because it helped him uh, conserve on a few of mileage. Yeah, it was, and, and we saw a really great race on uh, Sunday. I think uh, we saw at the beginning of the race um, really, really uh, a lot of passing and uh, to start, and then it kind of mellowed out, which we see a lot with the Indy 500. I think the, the package this year made it very difficult to pass, which definitely, uh, while it aided Simon Pagano in a way and it allowed him to show his muscle early on, it was a detriment at first because we were seeing, you know, major fuel concerns and we didn't think he was going to be able to make it to the end uh, until uh, Joseph Newgarden was able to get around him late in the race. And that allowed Pagano to save some fuel, as you said. Uh, Alexander Rossi uh, was a madman pretty much all of Sunday with pit road issues, uh, Oriel Servia issues. And that really showed a lot of motivation and allowed him to uh, come up to the front and almost win the Indy 500 two laps away uh, really great race um, and really cool to see Simon Pagano, you know, relish it all in and uh, the way his victory lane celebration, you could tell this was something he'd been waiting for, for a long time, would not take the wreath off in victory lane. Didn't take it off for a few hours from what I understand. Uh, so it's, it's always nice to see a gracious winner at the Indy 500. 
Well, they're in Texas tonight. I always like to watch IndyCar at night. I like night races in general. But Texas is a really fun track, both on the NASCAR circuit and the IndyCar circuit. Uh, it's a very, very fast track. So talk with us about what we can see and, and uh, give us a, a uh, look into the Texas Motor Speedway and what is IndyCar preparing for tonight's race. Well, if last night's truck race was any indication – this could be a pretty wild IndyCar race, which we are pretty prone to seeing at uh, Texas for the most part. Uh, several, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, I think less than 10 cars uh, finished the race at Texas. A lot of uh, big accidents um, tend to be prone at this racetrack. Uh, so it's going to be important to be up front early, which Takuma Sato is. And, and what I mean, it's kind of amazing to see how his season is going. He's 42 years old, but he's not slowing down at all. He's kind of reaching his peak now, and he might not even be at his peak. So we could be in for seeing uh, more Takuma Sato wins on the way. But as I said, if last night's truck race is any indication, we could be in for a uh, a long night. Uh, the truck race was only 167 laps, but it took about three hours to complete. They had 13 cautions last night. People were not able to stick it on me. Uh, while the inside was the preferred line, uh, if you had anyone on your outside, you got super loose and you were going around. Uh, it was a tough track uh, to tame. And Greg Biffle, uh, uh, who was making his first truck series start since 2004, first NASCAR start since 2016, ended up winning the race. Uh, so it really shows how much experience will help uh, at this racetrack, which a lot of these guys starting up front in the Indy uh, car race do have. Takuma Sato has plenty of experience at Texas, still looking for that first win. Scott Dixon will start in second. Uh, he won the race last year. And Dixon has a little bit of momentum on his, on his side from winning uh, race two in Detroit, trying to get back in the championship picture. Uh, so we, we could be in for a really exciting race night. We usually are at Texas in the IndyCar series. Uh, so I'm interested to see how, how everything will play out, especially with the front two. You know, and it's interesting that, that we see this because we don't see this very often at all, that we see the two racing series intermingle on the same track on the same weekend. What are your thoughts about that? I think we need to see more of it, and there has been um, some talks about it, and, and recently some news did come out this week that NASCAR and ISC, they want to make this happen, and, and SMI, they all want to make this happen and, and get these doubleheaders going. The problem is... Nobody wants to take a back seat. Nobody wants to do the Saturday race and, and be the one that is kind of, you know, the second tier series. So Mark Miles has kind of shut this down for now. It doesn't seem like it's going to happen in the near future, which is a real shame. I think it would be great for the fans to have uh, IndyCar and NASCAR on the same weekend. Um, uh, Jay Bowles was talking about doing at Indy. Um, possibly an IndyCar weekend along with NASCAR and IMSA. You get all three. And then you get to combine three uh, great racing series, three great uh, groups of fans that maybe can see another uh, side of racing and enjoy another side of racing. It would be, I think, good for the ratings and good for the tracks to, to be able to do these double and maybe triple headers. 
We're talking with Tyson Lawton Slugger from MonPitRoad.com. Brought him on to talk some IndyCar with us. But I'm going to have you wear a dual hat today because uh, Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest has some racing obligations in himself, and he's not able to join us. So we'll get it back into NASCAR here in just a moment. But speaking of the NASCAR and IndyCar switchover, uh, we saw some talk, some chatter about IndyCar and Richmond Speedway, Richmond uh, International Speedway, a fast track as well. Uh, talking about bringing back IndyCar and I was talking to Steve offline uh, via text uh, this week and he was just like you know they tried it once before and they were really concerned about the speed so what are your thoughts about IndyCar returning to Richmond Motor Speedway my concern with IndyCar in Richmond is not to do with the speeds it is uh, there's a few concerns I don't think that that is really a good market for IndyCar and there's a reason why IndyCar doesn't go there anymore. Fans weren't going out. That, and to begin with, it honestly didn't produce great racing. Richmond uh, is a really enjoyable track for NASCAR, and it might have been the package at the time for IndyCar, um, but the racing just wasn't very good. There was really no passing. It was just kind of uh, really just a follow-the-leader type deal, which um, doesn't surprise me. I think we, we're kind of seeing um, ISM Raceway turn into the same thing, and I think some people might disagree with that, but I don't find the, the IndyCar racing at ISM or Phoenix um, being all that great. I, I find it actually to be one of the lackluster races of the year and one of the few ovals that just doesn't produce good racing. It, so I really would rather not see IndyCar go back to Richmond. I think it will happen. Um, but I don't think it's going to be a long-term um, thing because I think they're going to see that the ratings won't be uh, won't be there. The fans won't be coming out in droves because it's just not an IndyCar market, and the racing won't be that great. You know, I, I, I got mixed bag feelings there. I always like to see the two series race, and like you said earlier, and maybe have them on the same same weekend. And, but I, I, I'd like to see it happen. Let's see what let's see what 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 does happen, but. One of the things that I don't like if they do do this, and this, again, this is not anything that's been extensive. It's just things they're talking about. So it's just chatter that we're talking about right now. But one of the things that they were talking about, if they go to Richmond, they're going to alternate the schedule between Phoenix and Pocono, so which means we're going to lose. At one year, we would lose the Phoenix race, and one year, we would lose the Pocono race. Both of those are incredible IndyCar series races. I'm not a fan of losing those. Yeah, I think that's another main concern there is is the fact that one of those races is going to go each year. And, you know, as I said, I'm personally not a big fan of IndyCar at Phoenix. I, I love when NASCAR goes there. I think it's a good track, a really unique track, which is kind of why I'd be pro keeping it just because of uh, I like unique racetracks, whether they produce, you know, the best racing or not. I like the the uniqueness, the different to the race and just kind of a different locale as well. I think IndyCar has done well in Phoenix. Um, Pocono, well, uh, well, we've seen some pretty, um, pretty devastating accidents and, and tragic events that produces good racing. And those have been, you know, freak accidents, if you will. Um, I don't think IndyCar should be going away from Pocono either. I think if uh, one track that would be really good for a NASCAR IndyCar doubleheader that uh, I don't think many people are kind of talking about would be Iowa. Uh, and the reason I hmm. say that is because 
NASCAR has been looking at for several several years, and, and in, uh, Iowa in particular has really wanted to get a cup race for several years. They uh, they have struggled to get the fans out to the track that they need. However, it produces good racing, and I think if you gave a, a NASCAR Cup date along with an IndyCar date uh, that same weekend, I think you could get a fair amount of fans out because you're going to get both markets here. You're going to get the NASCAR market. You're going to get the IndyCar market. I think it would be a good opportunity to at least give it a shot. Obviously, it can't happen until at least 2021. NASCAR schedules are locked in place for the next year or so. Um, but I think that would be a really good opportunity to try to mesh both uh, both both series, both fans, and try it out. See if it'll work. If it doesn't, it doesn't. At least we tried. So we know Soto's on the pole. Talk with us a little bit about the starting grid there in Texas underneath the lights tonight, sir. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the starting grid, uh, most of the front few are all in Hondas. You know, you got Takuma Sato, who, who, as I said, extremely fast. His average speed uh, in two laps, 220 miles an hour. Really, it's kind of insane that that is an average speed. Uh, but Sato, really fast and showing no signs of slowing down, even at 42 years old. This has been a really great season for him. He is in championship contention still uh, with podium at Indy, with a uh, win at um, – Barber it was, and he ran well at Detroit um, in the first race. He he had the podium. Uh, second race, they were running well until the end. Uh, a flat tire kind of derailed that event, and, and they ended up finishing around 15th or so, which really hurt their point situation because they were looking um, with uh, Pagano and Newgarden not having the greatest of days. They were looking at really probably getting close to about second or third in points and being only about 20 back, and now they're a little bit further back, but still in contention. Uh, so Sato, Dixon, Sebastian Bourdais starting third. Those are going to be the guys to watch. As far as Chevy's, Simon Pagano still starts up near the front, and if his uh, speed at Indy is any, any indication there, those guys are going to be worried about him. But the one thing I'm going to be looking for is uh, not necessarily as far as a race storyline, but just as, as far as a season storyline, Tony Kahn and Matthias Lace starting way back, 20th and 22nd for uh, A.J. Foyt Racing. NBC did an interview with uh, Tony uh, or with AJ Foyt before uh, qualifying on Saturday or on uh, Friday, and AJ is really not happy with the performance of this team right now. Nor is Larry Foyt. Um, so, you know, TK slapping the wall and qualifying, starting way back. Mateus Lace qualifying 20th of 21 cars that were able to set a time. Really not impressive for that team. Not what they want. And uh, is getting ready to make some changes. So I think that's a team to keep an eye on. Let's look a little bit about the standings where we're at, where we still got a few minutes with Tyson here. Let Tyson want to VaughnPitRoad.com. Joseph Newgarden, Alexander Rossi, Simon Pettigian, Scott Dixon, and Tomoka Sota round out the top five. What are your thoughts about the point standings with IndyCar? It's really tight up in, in the top uh, two right now between Joseph Newgarden and Alexander Rossi. Simon Pagano is up there too, obviously. Uh, Detroit kind of hurt him a bit. But I, I think Rossi is really hungry to get a championship. And he came close last year, uh, Scott Dixon obviously beating him out to win uh, what feels like his 107th championship. But Rossi really wants to get a championship out of the way. And, and I think he this is his year if he can just have a consistent few races. But I think that's going to be his problem. 
the consistency is there, but it's not quite there to Joseph Newgarden's level this year. Newgarden has been uh, consistent in almost every race, running uh, top five in almost every race and finishing there too. And I think that's where uh, Rossi's going to struggle to keep up. Uh, I think, you know, we're seeing a lot of different winners this year. And if somebody can pull out and get, you know, maybe four wins, that might be enough to get a championship. All right, let's have you put on your NASCAR hat uh, for the week, for, for this week. Uh, Xfinity Series up in Michigan, I believe. Talk with us about NASCAR this weekend, Xfinity and the Monster Energy Series. We talked about the Truck Series, but let's get all caught up on some NASCAR. So in the Xfinity Series, we're seeing right now, um, you know, we talked last year in, in NASCAR and the Cup Series about a big three in Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex, and uh, Kyle Busch. This year, it seems like the Xfinity Series has a big three in Christopher Bell, Cole Custer, and Tyler Reddick. And if you look at yesterday's uh, practice charts, those three are on top there too. Uh, Reddick dominating um, uh, a couple of races this year and, and only so far being able to, to get two checkered flags in the win column, but almost winning at Pocono last week before on the last turn of the last lap slipping up, getting loose, and Cole Custer was able to dive underneath, get his third win of the year. But those three, Bell, Custer, Reddick, those are the guys that everybody is uh, going to be trying to get past. Uh, But I just don't see any one of those three um, slipping up and losing this race at Michigan. It's a good track for for all of them. This is kind of track that they all like. They run well on those tracks that are uh, high banked and have a lot of uh, you know high speeds and in an area to run both at the bottom or at top. Uh, so I think you know if you if you want to pick a winner for Xfinity, it's definitely going to be one of those three. It's it's kind of hard to really go with anyone else at this point. Um, and then in the Cup Series right now, we're seeing kind of Kyle Busch on his dominant um, thread as well. But Pocono or uh, Michigan hasn't been a great track for him. So I think this could be the week that maybe Kevin Harvick finally gets his first win of the year and breaks through. Well, we'll certainly see what happens. You know, we were talking about the the series going to, to different tracks, same series going to different tracks. And maybe it's because of Detroit that they don't do it, but I've always thought it would be fun to have IndyCar back at the, back at Michigan there. I mean, that's an oval. It's a fast oval. It's a lot like Indy. It's a lot like Indy. Why wouldn't IndyCar want to race? Is it because of the Detroit? Because of it being in such close proximity to the to the Bell Isles? Is that would that be a reason, or is it is it a I, track I reason? I, I think that definitely plays a role. I think um, you know Roger Penske is is happy to have IndyCar in Detroit. Obviously, is a big part of the reason why they're there, and and Roger also has quite a bit of pull at Michigan, not as much as he used to. Uh, Michigan International Speedway, that is. Um, there was also, you know, back in, in the, the 70s, uh, a few tragic events that happened at Michigan in IndyCar, and I think that's kind of really uh, kept IndyCar away for, for a number of years. I don't expect them to come back anytime soon. Um, I, I think, to me, I, I don't know what an IndyCar race at Michigan International Speedway would look like right now. I think it would be certainly interesting, but I'm personally, as someone who um, I, I love the way that, that IndyCar does the doubleheader at Detroit. I think it's exciting to, to see the drivers get to race on both days, especially with the way that that track is so rough uh, and hard to race on that after one day you're tired out and then you have to go for a second day. 
and I find it interesting to see which drivers can uh, kind of get the mental wear and tear behind them and just go out and attack that track. I think it's uh, really fun for the fans to get to see two races in two days at that track along with IMSA. Um, so there's a lot of action going on at the Detroit GP. I'm, I'm personally fine if IndyCar doesn't go back to MIS and, and just sticks at Detroit because uh, I don't think you could do both in the same season. Tyson Lonslager joins us on pitroad.com. Tyson, I know we've got to let you go here, and we've got to move on into some NFL talk. Your Toronto Raptors uh, coming up here. You're one game away. But outside of that, what are you guys working on there at onpitroad.com? Well, you can always go to onpitroad.com and check us out, see what we're see what we're up to and uh, follow us on Twitter at on pit road. Follow me on Twitter at Tyson lot, L a U T 23. And yeah, Tom, go Raptors. Uh, we're going to win it on Monday night. Hey, you know what? Speaking of Twitter, just going to go off in the weeds here. I saw one of your tweets. Did something happen at your workplace? Oh yeah. <laughs> there was a bomb. I saw your tweets. So I didn't yesterday. know exactly what that was about. Yeah, that was exciting. I work at CTV News in in Toronto, um, so we have some crazies every now and then. That's just going to happen. But everything is all good. Yeah. Uh, No bomb. Well, good. I was just just like, I didn't see see anything on the news, but then I saw your tweet, and I thought, okay, well, if he's tweeting, he must be alive, not trying to make light of anything serious. But, yeah, good, good to hear that all that turned out. Tyson, uh, thanks for joining us. We look forward to talking with you again soon. And, uh, yeah, go Raptors, bro. Go Raptors, absolutely. Talk soon, Tom. <laughs> all right, buddy. Tyson Lonslager on pitroad.com calls us from Toronto, our favorite Canadian, and obviously he is rooting for the Toronto Raptors. My name is uh, Tom Michael President Day 917 is our digits. We'll be right back here with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. Gonna be talking some NFL and some big contracts. Yeah, I got we gotta we gotta find out what's going on with Carson Wentz. We'll be right back. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103. 
or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous pork chop down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like, early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Tyson Lautenschlager for joining us on pitroad.com, calling from up in Toronto, talking some IndyCar with us, and throwing in a little Homer card with him for the Toronto Raptors. But joining us now is our dear friend and official NFL contributor, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. You can find his work on the sportsexchange.mayhem. I don't know what can't remember, but Ed Kratz, how are you, sir? <laughs> Hey, I'm good, Tom. How you doing? Good morning. Good. I promise you, we'll get we'll get we'll get it right where people can find your work here. First of all, before we get into some NFL talk, congratulations on the on on uh, graduating the young one to to college. It's always good to know that you did your duty as a parent, right? Yeah, I know. Big milestone. A lot of fun. What was really cool was uh, you know he went to NYU, New York University, and the graduation, the main graduation, was in the Yankee Stadium. Uh, which was just terrific. It was a beautiful day, sitting along the third base line, uh, all the graduates in the lower bowl behind the dugouts, the home plate, and uh, every flag, the top 
Yankee Stadium that day was an NYU flag. So it was just, it was so cool. There were about 30,000 people uh, watching the graduates, and it was just, just a spectacular day, something I'll always remember. Well, of course, and it, it, it wouldn't have mattered if it, if it happened in a small arena. It's your son's right. graduation. So what, what's his uh, next step? What's his aspirations from here? Well, he's working uh, for a company based out of Philadelphia called Venture for America. It's, uh, uh, they work with startup companies around the country. Uh, he'll be probably going to one of those startups. He's uh, maybe looking at going to Birmingham or San Francisco. Or, I mean, it's still kind of open. Uh, he goes to uh, Detroit for a month in July as kind of a training program, and then uh, they'll see where they, he goes from there. So, uh, you know, he's it's a two-year fellowship, and, uh, he had some opportunities to stay in New York and work on Wall Street, but he wants to do this fellowship and work with some startups and maybe someday start his own company. But we'll see. That's down the line. He's young. He's in he's in his twenties. Remember those days, Tom, when you're in your twenties and you're just oh kind my of God. figuring it all out. You know what? Yeah. I do remember those days when I was remember that text I sent you and we're getting off in the weeds here. We'll get to get on here in just a minute. But I, I, we had an auction for a good. It was for a good cause, uh, and we do this every year at work. But uh, we had an auction where we auction off. There is a silent auction. We auction off different things, and I won't tell you how much I paid for it. But I sent you a text, so I got a, a <laughs> basket full of uh, adult beverages and the best of adult beverages. And yeah. I had a friend over last night. Me and her were, me and her were uh, creating drinks, and so. I'm not in my 20s anymore. I, I could tell you, I could definitely tell you that. But let's talk about the 20s, the 30s, the millions. Come on, can we? Can I play a hot take? Do you know where I'm going? We're just, let's get it over with. Let's rip the bandaid off. The Philadelphia Eagles give a huge contract to an unproven quarterback. There's my hot take. I know you're going to defend it. So go ahead, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, listen, it, 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 that's kind of the price of doing business with quarterbacks. The Eagles believe they have a uh, franchise quarterback, a face of the franchise, and Carson Wentz. It's just kind of, it's not a willy-nilly type of a decision. This is something they firmly believe in. They they have a lot of faith in number eleven that uh, he'll be able to stay healthy more often than not. I know the last two years he's finished the season on the sidelines watching with an injury um but uh you know this is something that they projected when they made him the second overall pick in 2016 when they flew out to fargo north dakota uh you know the owner the gm and the and the coach flew out to fargo took him out to dinner came away not just impressed with how smart he was uh but just how personable he was and how well liked he was in that entire state having played at north dakota state um, so, you know, they had the one good year with him. Well, he stayed healthy his rookie year, played all 16. And then he was kind of – he probably would have been the MVP in 2017 had he not torn his two knee ligaments. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, he hasn't really proven anything over the long term yet, but they firmly believe that they have a quarterback that uh, has all the tools to uh, have this team kind of contend to get to the Super Bowl every year uh, for the next five, six years. And when you look at the contract, Tom – it's really uh, – it's not the richest contract in NFL history. Uh, he did get a lot of guaranteed money. That much is a record. $107.9 million of that will be guaranteed. But, uh, you know, it's not the richest. If you look at the – he signed now for six years 
uh, at an average of about $26 million, which is less than Russell Wilson, uh, which is less than Tom Brady, uh, probably will, will be less than Pat Mahomes and maybe even Jared Goff once they come due. So uh, I just think that the Eagles, it's hard to find what they think is a franchise quarterback, what you can identify as a franchise quarterback. You, you have Andrew Luck there in Indianapolis, and yeah. you know he got a big contract, and, and he's been hurt. But, you know, if you believe you have that guy, uh, then why not uh, just – pay him what the cost of doing business is. And that's kind of what the going rate is uh, for a quarterback. When you look at the Eagles, too, when they had Donovan McNabb for that, that run in the early uh, part of this century, uh, you know, a good 10-year run, five NFC championship games, never won the Super Bowl. But they hadn't had anybody since they traded him uh, in 2010. You know, they went through the Mike Vicks and the Sam Bradfords, uh, and now they have what they feel is a franchise quarterback, and they're just rewarding him as such. You know, and I agree with that. I think that he, you know, as we remember a few years ago, he uh, he gave all of his players shotguns, which I'm a big fan of. And maybe not a lot of people in the world were like, was not a, a, a big fan of that. But I think Carson Wentz is, is, is great for the locker room. I think he's he's, he's a good quarterback. And, and maybe let's pull the trigger now. Let's, let's, let's seal the deal so that we can make sure that he doesn't go anywhere. But you always got to wonder. It's like when you go to Vegas. Am I putting the money down all on red, and red loses? I mean, because you just never know. So what happens if Carson gets hurt again? And what happens if because you don't have Nick Foles again? I mean, that was that was that was your uh, your your uh, your rainy day money, if you will. You don't have him now. Uh, so what happens if a rainy day comes back to Philadelphia? Uh, well, you know, the Eagles, I guess you're hoping for the law of averages, okay? He's played three seasons in the NFL. He's, he played a full season one year, and he's gotten hurt twice. Now, they have him for six more years. Are all six of those seasons uh, going to be plagued by injury? Uh, you know, I would say the law of averages would say no. And, you know, when he's healthy, he is a top quarterback. I think everybody across the league will agree uh, that he has all the tools. So, you know, I think the law of averages will you know, are in – Went in the Eagles' favor that, uh, favor that yeah, he's going to stay uh, healthy at least one of those years, if not more of those years. Uh, but listen, a lot of that is incumbent on Wentz, too. He, you know, there are things he needs to learn, and, and you hope that he does learn now, knowing that, look, I'm the face of this franchise. I have to stay upright. He needs to get rid of the ball quicker. We've talked about that for since he entered the league. Is he's one of those quarterbacks that likes to hang on to the ball and try to make a play every single time uh, he drops back to pass. And that's not always beneficial to your health. You need to say, I'm going to live uh, to fight another down, and I'll throw it away, and I'll take the incompletion, and, and we'll do the third and 12. Uh, you know, so he's got to learn how to do that. And uh, you hope that maybe this will help him learn to do that. Uh, and as far as a rainy day money quarterback, you're right. Uh, they have Nate Sudfeld, who, listen, he had a really good spring. Uh, the Eagles start a uh, mandatory minicamp on Tuesday, three days, and then they head into uh, summer until training camp opens in late July. But, you know, Nate Sudfeld, uh, we don't know really what he is. The Eagles have loved him for the last couple of years. Indiana kid, of course. Uh, went to of course. Indiana. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, he's, I think he's a California kid originally. But, uh, yeah, the, I've, they had a couple open practices, and I watched him. And he had a terrific uh, final day that we were allowed to watch, which was this past uh, Wednesday. It was, and boy, he he was he had three touchdown throws in uh, red zone drills, 
throwing the ball on the money. I mean, listen, if if you can translate that into a Sunday game or a Monday night or what he did in the spring, uh, then the Eagles will have found themselves a pretty good backup quarterback. Uh, but we don't know. We don't know for sure how that will translate. He's been in the league now. He's been with the Eagles in the system uh, for three years. Remember, he entered the league when Carson Wentz came into the league in 2016. Carson was the second overall pick. Uh, Sudfeld went in the sixth round to the uh, Redskins. So, uh, you know, but he's developed. I think he's developed well enough that the Eagles believe in him. But, you know, as a fan base, I'm not sure uh, we know enough to say, yeah, okay, we're fine if something happens to Carson. I don't think you're fine. Uh, more than a few games. If, if if Wentz goes down for six, seven, eight games, I'm not sure Sudfeld can carry the load that long. Um, but we don't know that yet. We're, you know, we you, know, you hope if you're an Eagles fan that you don't have to see that. We're we're in that time of year where it doesn't matter what position that you play. This is the time of the year where you kind of just work on honing your skill. You 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 mentally prepare with the with the with the playbook. You get in the work in, in the in the workout room and you work out and you just kind of because before long in, in a week or two we're going to be in full fledged mini camp and then we're going to be in training camp and then we're going to be in in, in regular season and it, it's full speed ahead. So now is with the time for them to hone their speed to. Hone their craft, if you will. And it doesn't matter how good you are, you still got to take time to step back and, and hone your craft. Let's talk about this. Uh, we're just going to kind of go through the NFL as, as a lot of teams are going through their, their early camps, their uh, uh, OTAs, and of course, uh, mini camps are coming up really, really soon. Odell Beckman and uh, Baker Mayfield relationship. Uh, Odell Beckman says, Man, I love his arm. We, we always like to make fun of the, the Cleveland Browns, but maybe they have finally figured it out, although although Beckman is a bit of a diva, a bit of a pro- – I mean, we could go on down that side, but on the field, he's certainly a, a beast. He certainly is a stud, and we saw Baker Mayfield, so do they have it figured out in Cleveland? Uh, well, I uh, yeah, I think they do. You know, I <clears> – <throat> this – it's great that Beckham came in for, you know, uh, the mini camp to kind of work with Mayfield. And uh, it, it was kind of funny to hear him sort of take a shot at Eli Manning by saying, Hey, Baker throws the ball really hard. You know, I mean, that was really a shot at Eli Manning. Uh, Eli Manning doesn't throw the ball really hard. And, you know, that's another story, Eli Manning and the giants. And what are they going to do after taking Daniel Jones uh, in the top 10? But, you know, you're the Browns. Yeah. I, I think you got to figure it out. I mean, uh, you know, I, at Mayfield, I, I like what he said about uh, David Johnson or Duke Johnson. Uh, when Duke Johnson, you know, the drama surrounding trade me, you know, I don't, I'm not going to show up. He showed up. Uh, and Mayfield said, you know, all of that is just self-inflicted drama. You know, he's just got to do his job. I mean, that, that to me is a, is a real leader, uh, Baker Mayfield, saying that. So, I, you know, I like this Mayfield kid. I mean, I know I wasn't a real fan of it when they picked him first overall. I I, I thought maybe Darnold was the better better pick, but uh, boy, I, I think Baker Mayfield has really some good leadership qualities, and I and I ho- really hope that he can develop because you know you're you're just about as good as your quarter, your team is as good as the quarterback is, and uh, and I know defense and other things factor into it, but your quarterback really has to play at a high level and he has to lead, and I think Baker Mayfield can do that. So I I think yeah, the Browns have it figured out at the quarterback position. 
Now, will that translate into a Super Bowl this year? I Maybe. I don't know. It's his second year. Uh, you know, they did put some weapons around him. They built that defense. Um, so maybe. But I think the Browns will be, with Baker Mayfield, kind of that perennial uh, playoff contender uh, for the next, you know, five, six years. Well, let's just kind of go through uh, the OTAs and the storylines as you know them. And uh, so this is a good time for us to just keep talking about NFL because we, I know you had a great vacation, which, by the way, it looked like you had an awesome time. <laughs> so, but yeah. so, but we, we still got to stay connected to the NFL, and you're our way how we do that. So what a better place to start than right here in Indianapolis, the Indianapolis Colts, Andrew Luck, OTAs, uh, nothing really, a lot of excitement going on. Uh, and I'm sorry I can't pronounce his name, but we just found out recently from Stanford. We drafted him, and apparently there was some sort of a sexual assault. Never came about. This goes the story about Ballard just saying, hey, you know, sometimes guys just need a second chance. So that we saw that was like the biggest drama story so far out of OTAs. Uh, but we don't really have a lot going on here in Indianapolis right now. Of course, Frank Reich and, and Ballard are, are putting the team together, and uh, we're, we're going to start hearing more and more about what's going on here in Indianapolis. My Indianapolis Colts, what say you, sir? Yeah, again, I, you know, I like camps where, you know, you don't hear a lot about what's going on because uh, it's kind of drama-free, you know. It's, this really, Tom, is the time for um, younger players to kind of get that experience, those NFL reps, uh, you know, this spring practice. It's the time to bring these younger kids along. Uh, your first, your second, your guys, your rookies, you know, get them in, get them working, get them a taste of what it's like. Uh, and you hope you see progress from your first and second year guys uh, after being in the system for a while. So really, you know, this isn't a veteran type of a spring. You know, your veterans don't really uh, need to be here. That's kind of why it's voluntary. Um, it's nice if they are but they don't have to be. So I think when you look at the Colts, they have a fairly young roster. Um, and, and now it's, let's see if they can take that next step. And, and that's kind of what I would think Frank Reich and his staff are working on is getting these guys uh, ready to take that next step, uh, seeing how much improvement they made, uh, you know, in the off season, in the weight room, uh, in the playbook, uh, and then translating that onto the field. So, you know, you mentioned that sexual assault, unfortunately that, know, crops up here from time to time with uh, professional athletes, not just NFL players. I know in Philadelphia, Dubal uh, Herrera, their center fielder, is on sort of a, uh, a leave mm-hmm. because he's had some issues. So, unfortunately, that's something that comes up. It's, it's, you know, it's the world we live in, and it probably went on years ago, too. We just didn't know about it because, uh, you know, media coverage wasn't as intense as it is today. So. Uh, you know, if that's the only thing going wrong, that's an unfortunate situation, of course. But, you know, if that's the only drama that's coming out of Colts camp, I think that's a good thing because it's kind of business as usual this time of year. And you just want to get your guys kind of refreshed on the field with the plays uh, and see what kind of a workout uh, regimen they followed in the off season. Yeah, absolutely. And we have a, uh, we have a, um, uh, stand by, just, just stand by. <laughs> we have a, uh, I, I totally, I am pushing buttons and talking in the wrong sort of way and doing things I shouldn't be doing. I apologize. Just stand by here. Two seconds. 
I multitasking, and very good. I had to. I, I'm sorry. I had some. I had to have something picked up for the FedEx guy, and I forgot to put it out on the porch. So, full disclosure. <laughs> there you go, sir. There you go. Okay. <laughs> oh, the FedEx well, guy. Well, what when the FedEx guy. Real life intercedes. That's right. Okay. So I, my apologies. So let's stay in the AFC South. Let's talk about the Texans and their and their uh, big news as far as firing their general manager Brian Gang. What happened there? And come on, it's June and you're firing your general manager. There's got to be something there. Uh, yeah, I mean we saw it with the Jets too. The Jets fired McCannon, McCagnan, however you say that guy's name. Uh, they fired him right after the draft. Yeah, it's a very odd time, obviously, to fire. Uh, a general manager, especially after he guided you through free agency, guided you through the draft, uh, guided you through the spring practices, and still when you're still looking for talent uh, to add to your roster uh, through May, I mean, it's an interesting time that they fire him in June. I, um, you know, I, I wonder sometimes, you know, they took this tackle, Titus Howard, uh, from South Alabama, I think, in the draft, in the first round. And I'm not sure that was a very popular pick in that organization. I think he is viewed as a project. But when the Eagles jumped up ahead of them uh, in the draft, to, to draft Andre Dillard, that's who the Texans thought they were going to draft. And then when the Eagles took him uh, two or three spots before the Texans made a pick, they kind of got caught with their pants down and they drafted Titus Howard. And, and you know, maybe that – kind of led to the demise or maybe was the final straw in the demise of Brian Gain as the GM. I don't know. I, I'm not sure what happened there, but that clearly something happened. It might have been an accumulation of many things that Titus Howard tech might have been, like I said, maybe the straw that broke that back there. Um, I don't know. Uh, it, it's a very curious time to fire a GM. Uh, I know the Jets just hired Joe Douglas from Philadelphia uh, to be their next GM. That news broke last night at about 9 o'clock. I'd like to thank mm-hmm. the Jets for mm-hmm. waiting for Friday night at 9 to break it because I was out doing things, and I couldn't, you know, I couldn't follow that <laughs> as closely as I wanted. But uh, that's a great pickup for the Jets. Um, you know, Douglas had tried to say no. He wanted more money, and the Jets kept just raising the, the price, raising the control that he would have over the final roster. Um, and it was just too good of a deal for Joe to pass up. He was the VP of player personnel in, in Philadelphia. So he's off the market. There are some good possible GM prospects that were in on the Jets job. Uh, Fitterer from Seattle. Uh, there's a guy in Minnesota uh, whose name I can't remember at the time, but you know maybe Houston turns in that direction uh, and tries to bring in one of those guys to replace Game. As far as what went wrong, I really don't know, but uh, I know that that draft pick they had was not a very popular one uh, within that organization. We're talking with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and our official NFL contributor. We're just talking about some insane plugged in with the NFL, uh, talking some OTAs. We're just kind of doing some rapid fire throughout the NFL. Uh, a team that you guys love so much, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. What are your thoughts, sir, so far as we look into <laughs> the OTAs with the Dallas Cowboys? Yeah, well, they've got some contract situations coming up, the Cowboys, and they have some tough decisions to make in the front office as to who and how much they're going to give to Dak Prescott, their quarterback, who came into the league the same year as Carson Wentz in 2016. Now you still have control over him, 
uh, this season, but his contract is up at the end of this year. He was a, wasn't a first round pick. So unless you're a first round pick, you only get four years on your first deal. Uh, this is his fourth year, his final year. So they have to make a decision on Dak. Do they pay him Carson Wentz type of money? Um, or Russell Wilson money. We'll have to wait and see. But not only that, they have to uh, get Amari Cooper, their wide receiver, figured out with a contract, too. He's coming to the end of his uh, contract. And then Zeke Elliott, him as well. What do you do with him? So you keep all three. It's going to be very costly. They just gave a lot of money to uh, their defensive end, Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, they gave him $105 million in the offseason. I don't know what Dallas's salary cap situation is, uh, but, you know, are they going to have enough to keep this team together, or are they going to have to let one of those three guys, Prescott, Cooper, or Zeke, walk uh, at some point? We'll have to wait and see. But, you know, as far as on the field, yeah, I think, I, you know, I like that Dallas defense an awful lot. I like their linebacker core. Uh, Smith, the kid from Notre Dame who had the, uh, the serious knee issue, I think it was, or leg issue coming out of school, and it took him a, a full year of, of rehabbing, and he wasn't on the field, but now he's on the field. He looked real good last year, and uh, they've got Leighton Vander Esch, the, the draft pick out of Boise State, that I love a lot. So I love their linebackers. Um, I like the Marcus Lawrence a lot. I think their front uh, defensive line's pretty solid. Uh, and I think they have kind of an underrated secondary. So I think that defense can be uh, pretty good. And now you're going to have Amari Cooper uh, a full year. You know, they got him last year at the trade deadline. So he was really only in Dallas for a half a season. And him and Dak look very good together. So now you have him for a full year. Uh, you can even go a step further with him. And, uh, you know, he could be a 1,400-yard receiver in that offense. We'll have to wait and see. But I, I like Dallas. I like what they've done. They're the defending NFC uh, East champs. It's a division where there hasn't been a repeat winner, though, since 0405 when the Eagles did it. So it's usually a division that's up for grabs uh, every year. Um, but Dallas looks like they could be in a strong position to defend that title. I, I think the Eagles might have a better roster. Um, but it all comes down to health and how, you know, how the ebb and flow of the season goes. But, you know, I like Dallas. I, I think they have a good good squad. Well, let's just do some rapid fire real quickly here. We'll go through the uh, divisions, if you will. The AFC East, which is the uh, housing of the New England Patriots. Uh, and uh, so what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, it's just been such a hard haze. Somebody at the door there. Sounds like another. Oh, that's a FedEx guy. guy. I, I, he's here picking up what I put out on the porch. I am so sorry. That's and I'm oh, the owner okay. of, a, of, a, of a of a mammoth, a hundred and seventy pound dog. She's yeah, a lab lab and a bloodhound. She's a lab lab and a bloodhound mix. She's a big baby, but uh, she's got a big bark. So I apologize. <laughs> yeah. I work yeah, from I home, man. Okay, care. What, care. Can I, what can I say? <laughs> that's a great, that's a beautiful thing, working at home. FedEx has came. FedEx has came and left. The dog is laying back down. We are good. We're we're all back. <laughs> we're all back to normal. So I apologize. Right, AFC East. Yeah, I didn't mean no, interrupt. that's fine. Yeah. No, that's fine. Yeah. Well, uh, that division's been terrible for years and years. And you know, I mean, yeah, the Patriots have been good, but you know, no team has really risen up to, to kind of challenge the Patriots and, you know, shame on them for being so inept for all these years. Um, but maybe this year's a different story. You know, you have some quarterbacks in that division now with Josh Allen, second year in Buffalo, Miami has Josh Rosen. And it looked like uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick had, you know, I, I saw some footage of some nice throws 
uh, in spring practice, you know, but he's about, you know, 108 years old. So who knows, uh, you know, how if he'll be able to play all 16 games, but I, I always like Josh Rosen. We'll see how uh, that goes. They have the new coach and Brian Flores uh, coming from the Patriots staff. Um, and then you have the Jets who, you know, always seem to be dysfunctional uh, as evidenced by them firing a general manager right after the draft uh, was over. So, but I like their roster too. I mean, Le'Veon Bell, you know, if, you know, if he's the Le'Veon Bell of two years ago, uh, they're going to be fine. He'll take some of the pressure off Sam Darnold. But uh, maybe some team, this will be the year finally that one of those teams rises up and is able to at least put pressure on the Patriots and not make it so easy for them. Uh, and then, of course, you know, with it being so easy for the Patriots, they always seem to get home field advantage through the playoffs, which is a huge advantage. Um, <laughs> So, you know, we'll see. We'll see if this is the year one of those teams can finally say, hey, we can match you this year, New England. I don't know. i tell you what, man. I, I, I'm a Colts fan, so it's, I can say this. I hate the New England Patriots, so I help that. <laughs> we, we had a – we had a – I'm going to get back in the weeds here, but we had a, a gal visiting us in our home office from our Oregon office, and we were talking talking about the Seahawks, and she was talking about how her husband's a big Seahawks fan. And I'm, she's like, but I'm not really a Seahawks fan. And so we're like, oh, okay. Uh, who's your team? Whatever. And she goes to the New England Patriots because of Griffin Boston. Uh, we're like, yeah, no. no. Uh, get back on the plane. <laughs> get back to Oregon. You could have said any team but that. So yeah, we uh, we gosh, have they're, a, even, they're a, even out in Oregon, huh? Uh, <laughs> we have a deep, passionate, rooted uh, distaste for uh, the New England Patriots. So I, I digress. The NFC North, the Bears, the Vikings, the Packers. A lot of people are saying that we're seeing an end of an era of Aaron Rodgers. Maybe so, maybe not. Can't get along with the coaching staff. There's just a lot of things going on there. Of course, he's not going to retire, but we're we're kind of seeing maybe a diva side of Aaron Rodgers. Of course, the Detroit Lions got a lot to prove this year. What are your thoughts in the NFC North there, sir? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, we are seeing the diva side of Aaron Rodgers. It's a side that's always been there. We just never saw it. And if he can't get along with Matt LaFleur right. and his staff, and right. uh, then, then it's Aaron Rodgers' problem. So um, that, to me, is looking like a dysfunctional – organization at the moment and it's because of Aaron Rodgers so we'll, we'll see there's no question he's a very talented player um, we'll see what his receiver core looks like uh, you know the Vikings of course Kirk Cousins didn't prove to be everything they had hoped he would be when they signed him but you know I could have told you that uh, many fans could have told you that I think that Kirk Cousins just isn't a big game quarterback I don't think and uh, he is what he is he's not a $30 million a year quarterback or whatever they're paying him um, so we'll see about the Vikings uh, and the Lions, you know, they went out and they did a lot to try to improve that team, that defense, the offense. Um, Matt Patricia's second year, things got a little weird there, I think, last year with Patricia with holding practices out in the rain and um, getting a little standoffish in his first year. So, uh, big year for the Lions, for sure. And then, uh, you know, the team I like a lot, of course, is the Chicago Bears. You know, they're a team with no drama. You know, you haven't heard a lot about them in the offseason uh, so far. They're the kind of teams I like is those uh, under the radar, quiet teams through the spring, no no drama. Um, it leads to a lot of cohesion ultimately on the field, and I and I like the Bears. I think the way their season ended last year on that double doink from Cody Parker uh, left a bad taste in their mouth, and I think that they have something to prove. And I still think it's the Bears' division to win. 
AFC North, a lot of drama going on over there. The Pittsburgh Steelers have got to prove something uh, this year. Last year, it was a total dumpster fire. And of course, you got the Ravens, and then we talked about a little bit about the Browns. And there's a, a team down in Cincinnati, they call themselves the Bengals. I don't think anybody knows or cares who they are. But anyway, <laughs> the AFC <laughs> North, what are your thoughts, sir? <laughs> Yeah, the Bengals are still running Andy Dalton out there, and uh, you know we'll we'll see how that goes. They got a new coach for the first time since you know you and I were in high school, probably you know getting rid of Marvin Lewis. <laughs> but uh, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So we'll see if maybe that's the answer to kind of unlock that Andy Dalton's uh, talent box, if you will. Um, I don't know. You're right. I'm not too sold on the Bengals. Uh, I like what the Ravens did. Um, with some of their moves. I thought they were going to get uh, that tackle, uh, Gerald McCoy. I thought that uh, they had a real shot to get him, you know, the kid from, uh, not a kid, but the player from Tampa Bay, that a uh, very good sacker who the Bucks cut and ended up going to Carolina. Uh, but I thought he was going to go to Baltimore. That would have been a huge pickup for the Ravens. Even Cleveland Browns weren't on Gerald McCoy, but he did end up in Carolina. So um, I like <clears throat> I like the Ravens. Um, you know, I think they've gotten some pieces in the run game now that will help uh, their quarterback uh, take maybe that next step. And then, like you said, Pittsburgh, there's a drama uh, always uh, with Ben Roethlisberger now. He's not getting any younger. Does he have another year or two left? Can he take this team to another Super Bowl as he approaches 40 years old? They lost, obviously, Bell. They didn't play with him last year. Antonio Brown's gone. We'll see if Juju Smith-Schuster can be that guy. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is the Brown. I think the Browns are the team in this division that are is going to uh, battle it out. I think with the Ravens and you know the Pittsburgh Steelers are a prideful bunch, so you can't really discount them. But I think it's going to be, uh, you know, and I'm saying this in June, but I think right now it's the Browns and the Ravens who are going to battle it out for that division title. Talking about stories that happen when we're in high school. I mean, when was the last time we were talking about the Browns defending for or competing for a division title? Uh, the, the NFC South, you've got the the Saints, the Falcons, my granddaughters, Carolina Panthers. She at least there's blue in it somewhere. I've I've tried to train her. She's eight years old. She's not going. She's not swaying. She lives in North Carolina. In all fairness, she's lived there her whole life. So. She only knows the Carolina Panthers, and my son is a dual citizenship, if you will, <laughs> with the Panthers and the Colts. So we have a we have a big family ties to the Carolina Panthers, and my granddaughter rules. So uh, we always got to talk about the Carolina Panthers whenever we're talking. She's a big Panther fan, and I'm telling you, for eight years old, you'd be surprised how big of a fan she is. And then the, there's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh-huh. Is she running around with the Cam Newton jersey or Christian McCaffrey? Down she there has in, McCaffrey. Uh, she's a Charlotte. McCaffrey fan. Yeah, she's a okay, McCaffrey fan. Twenty-two, right now. huh? I like yeah. that number. Is that twenty? That's twenty-two, right? I think, I think so. She's got three or four yeah. jerseys. She. She she changes her favorite players throughout the year, and she always like I need a new jersey, Papa. I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> that makes it easy for Christmas presents, doesn't it? That's it right. The... Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, well, yeah, I like, I like Carolina. I, I I don't know about Cam Newton. I mean, he's been in the league. He came in I think 2011. This is his eighth year. Uh, you know, I, he might, to me, he seems a little overrated. Uh, at this stage of his career. I mean, I know he took Carolina to one Super Bowl, didn't win it. Um, but, 
you know, I'm not sure he is the answer with that franchise anymore. He's got a lot to prove. Um, so does their coach, Ron Rivera. I mean, he's been there for a long time now. He, he could be one of those coaches on the hot seat early if Carolina doesn't break from the gate quick enough and, and put themselves in the thick of the uh, division hunt. Uh, Tampa, I think, with Bruce Arians, I think there's still, you know, I think there's a chance they could have the number one draft pick next year. Uh, overall, I just don't think they're that good. So you're looking at the Saints and the Falcons, you know, uh, the Saints again, unfinished business, come back, Drew Brees, another year older. Uh, can he get it done and, and take this team where it probably should have gone last year, and that was to the Super Bowl, but they couldn't win a home game uh, against the Rams with the chance to go to the Super Bowl. So, you know, we'll see how motivated they come back to, for this season. And then the Falcons, um, you know, they're a team that was in the Super Bowl a few years ago, but kind of uh, hasn't sniffed that since. So, uh, you know, to me, it's not a very strong division, I don't think, when you look at it. But, uh, you know, the Saints, to me, are probably still the better team, the best team in that division. But, you know, again, we'll see how Breeze is another year older, uh, how motivated they are after losing in a tough way last year on that whole P.I., uh, non-P.I. call that rewrote the rules. And the Saints fans were crying like little little girls down there. I hate to say that, but they were just crying, cry babies <laughs> about that whole call. and. Uh, you know, really rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, now we have to deal with, uh, you know, NFL reviews, play reviews on PI calls, which to me is mm-hmm. ridiculous. So I'm not looking forward to that. And we can thank the Saints for that uh, or the refs who blew that call. But still, the Saints made such a big deal out of that that uh, the NFL was really backed into a wall and they kind of had to do something. So I'm not a big fan of the Saints, but I think they're the best team uh, in that division still. Well, we talked a little bit about the AFC South, the Colts and the Texans, but and we got the we got the Titans and uh, we've got the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, uh, ironically, I had an opportunity to talk to Ryan Tannehill at the Indianapolis 500 um, on the red carpet, and I asked him. I said, um, "Does it feel different to be a backup quarterback than a starting backup?" He goes, "Well, yeah." But he's like really happy to be in Tennessee and like likes to be there. And and uh, I was there with some Nashville, uh, not with them, but we were right there on the red carpet on at the Indy 500 and um, covering racing. But he was there, and I was standing next to some Nashville radio stations, and they were very interested in what he had to say, and they were asking him some pretty in-depth questions about, you know. You're the backup to Marcus Mariota. You're no longer a starting quarterback. And what what are some of the things that you've noticed from being in Tennessee as far as being with the Dolphins? And he goes, well, there's frost on my windows. And and now, so so it's a big change. But but what are the the Tennessee Titans? And now, talk about quarterbacks, new quarterbacks. uh, 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 Jolly O. St. Nick here in the AFC South with us at the Jacksonville Jaguars, a very important piece that needed to be filled with them. So the AFC South is no longer the chump uh, division that it used to be. Hopefully the Colts can capitalize on that. Uh, but the AFC South, what say you, sir? Yeah, no, I thought the AFC South was one of the better divisions last year. I don't really see it changing much. Um, you know, maybe Houston takes a step back. I don't know. Deshaun Watson's still a pretty good quarterback. But, um, you know, this this to me, this looks like the Colts division. I mean, I think they're getting a lot of love uh, in Vegas and other places for uh, making a, a strong Super Bowl run this year and maybe getting to the Super Bowl. 
but, you know, yeah, Jacksonville now has Nick Foles. Clearly an upgrade over Blake Bortles. Um, we'll see. I, I was always of the mind that Nick Foles, if he plays 16 games, if he can play 16 games, you know, he's another guy uh, who's been banged up at certain points in his career. But I've always thought that he's the kind of player that could get exposed if he has to play uh, 16 games. I mean, we'll, we'll see about that. Um, but, you know, I, I, he's certainly better than Bortles. That's for sure. And the Jags have always had the talent. Uh, at least two years ago, they went to the AFC Championship game. They had a lot of the similar talent back last year, uh, but couldn't get it done. Now they've lost some pieces. We'll see where they make up. But I think the Jags are a team that the Colts will have to look out for. I'm not sure. I think Houston might take a step back. And, and you know, Tennessee, that defense is pretty good. Their running game with Derrick Henry, I, I like that. But, you know, Mariota, to me, is kind of an up-and-down, inconsistent, can't-stay-healthy-all-the-time uh, type of quarterback. And maybe with Tannehill there waiting in the wings, maybe he's the new Nick, Nick Foles if something should happen uh, to Mariota. Maybe Tannehill can step in and win some games uh, if Mariota goes down, which, you know, he does get hurt uh, through the course of a season. But you can't discount Tennessee. Um, but I still like the Colts in this division. I think the, the, the Jags will be better than they were last year. Uh, and I think the Titans uh, are going to be – they were in the playoffs last year. I think they have a chance to do that again. And I think Houston takes a step back. See, that's why you're the NFL contributor, because you understand how important the Colts are. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it, but, but, but we, we were joking. Uh, I was joking around with the Nashville radio stations. And after he went on down and, and one of the guys turned to me, he's like, I loved your question. That was a great, great way of saying – you're a sucky quarterback. Welcome to Tennessee. <laughs> I'm like, hey, yeah, you got to ask politically correct. But no, in all fairness to Ryan, he was a he was a super nice guy. He really was. He was funny. He liked to joke around. And uh, it turns out he's never seen an episode of Game of Thrones. But I don't understand that. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. well, I never have either, so, you know, maybe yeah, yeah, there we go. something can come. But, but, you know, Tom, sort of, sort of to that point, I think that, you know, a lot of these guys that fans like to root against and don't like uh, because they play on another team, I think if you actually sat down like you do with Tannehill and talked to them, I think you'd like them. I think you'd find a lot yeah. of these guys are pretty, pretty good guys. Now, I'm not saying everybody is that way, but, you know, there are guys in the league that you love to hate or you don't like them because they play for their team, but if you sat down and got to them, you, you would be a big fan of theirs because they're good guys. They're fun guys to talk to. They joke around. Um, yeah. That's that's the strangeness of being a sports fan is you root against these guys, uh, but if you got to know them as people, you'd like them. No, absolutely, and and we've had the chance a, a couple times to talk to Andrew Luck. He's a very personal guy as well. But it was kind of cool. I, I've only seen, I'd only seen him on television, only seen him on, on games. So to, to have him in an element that wasn't in his element, he was at the race. He's a, he's a yeah. big race fan. That's why he was there. Uh, super nice guy, joked around and laughed. And, and so everybody had fun with him. So he was a very, very personal guy. So I will give him that. He, he did not act like a, a diva. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Yeah. Um, so uh, a couple more divisions, and I'll let you go here. NFS, NFC West, you got the Rams. Was very impressed with them. We talked about the Seahawks earlier. The 49ers and the Arizona Cardinals. Ooh, the Arizona Cardinals. A lot of people say Arizona Cardinals, where you go to play uh, to put out the pasture. It's like before uh, – <laughs> it's like a, after you win the Kentucky Derby, you go – 
out to pasture, but only then you're at least reproducing something good. The Cardinals don't seem <laughs> to even be doing that. <laughs> so what are yeah, your thoughts? Right. Yeah, uh, well, it'll be fun to see Kyler Murray. I don't know how often the Cardinals are going to be on television. I don't get the red zone package. I'm usually busy on Sundays anyway with uh, with the Eagles, but um, so I don't I don't really see a whole lot of other teams play. Um, but I would like to see Kyler Murray play. I don't think they have any primetime games other than that one Thursday night that all teams have to play on, but I might be wrong about that. But I think Kyler Murray, you know, I'd like to see him play. I'd like to see how he acclimates uh, into the league and their new coach Kingsbury. Uh, we'll see how his scheme plays. I know Chip Kelly, everybody was excited to see his scheme and it worked for a little while and then it fell flat on its face. So uh, we'll see if Kingsbury can have uh, more success. And then, you know, the Rams to me, I don't know what, I don't think history looks kindly on a team that loses the Super Bowl one year and gets back the next year. I don't think there's a lot of teams that have done that where they lose one year and they come in now other than the Patriots, you know, they're kind of the exception to every rule. Um, but uh, so, you know, the Rams, yeah, they're good, but can they get back to the Super Bowl? Uh, we'll have to wait and see. And then the 49ers, they were so injury bit last year with losing Garoppolo and losing their running back. And, um, you know, they drafted just about every the last five years of defensive lineman in, in the first round. So that you would think that, that would be a pretty good strong point for them as a D line. Uh, being able to stop the run and pressure the quarterback, we'll see. But getting Garoppolo back should help. I know he really wasn't setting the world on fire before his injury. Uh, so we'll see if he's not a flash-in-the-pan type of quarterback or if he's someone, uh, you know, who is worthy of that big contract the Niners gave him. You know, we started this show by saying Carson Wentz is an unproven quarterback who got a big deal. What about Garoppolo? What did he ever do to earn such a big deal? Nothing. Um, so we're about to see if he's really the real deal or if he's just another guy. Um, and then who am I forgetting here? Rams, Cardinals, um, Seahawks, uh, Seattle, 49ers. Seahawks. They, you know, it's Seattle, yeah, well, the 49ers, 49ers, yeah. yeah, yeah. So the four, yeah. So the Seahawks again, you know, their team, Russell Wilson's the guy, uh, still makes magic happen. There've been a lot of changes in that organization, but last year they, they did well, you know, they, they got into the playoffs, um, kind of surprised some people, uh, by doing that. So, you know, Pete Carroll is a, is a heck of a good coach. Um, probably should have won back-to-back Super Bowls, except for that stupid play he called down at the goal line and uh, led to an interception rather than handing it to Marshawn Lynch. Uh, so, you know, he's but he's still a good coach, and that's still a good organization that still has Russell Wilson. So I think the Seahawks and the Rams will probably challenge for that. I know the 49ers are getting a lot of love, but I'm not sold on Garoppolo at all. Uh, he's going to have to prove it to me before I turn around and, and anoint the 49ers a contender. <laughs> anoint the 49ers a contender. Uh, <laughs> I just Garoppolo cracks me up, but that's neither here nor there. That's another story for another show. Last but not least, I think probably right now the division that has the biggest storylines going on right now, and that's the AFC West. you got the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Broncos, and the Raiders, and I can give you multiple storylines from each of those teams right now, and just off the top of my head, but the biggest one is Tyreek Hill. Uh, apparently, no child abuse charges to be found here. Don't know. I mean, we heard the recording. It was pretty graphic, if you heard it, as far as the conversation with his girlfriend or ex-girlfriend or whatever she is, baby mama, we'll call her. Uh <laughs> Pretty graphic, pretty graphic stuff, and but apparently no charges. So Kansas City Chiefs, Tyreek Hill, business as usual. 
big story there uh, uh, coming out this week. But just so many storylines with the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Broncos, the Raiders. Talk about divas. <laughs> Can't get any more diva than the Oakland Raiders, Vegas Raiders, Gruden, whoever, whatever. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, let's, yeah. let's sum it all up here with the AFC West, sir. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe the best division in football. Um, yeah, that Tyreek situation, that Tyreek Hill, to me, I, you know, I don't know what constitutes proof. I don't know what kind of proof you need to prove child abuse. But, um, I, yeah, I, I'd rather not touch that. I, it's a shame that yeah, the Chiefs see fit to uh, kind of believe his side. But, I, but, again, I'm not really that close to it. But I know he's a key part of that team. And, you know, Andy Reid has taken chances on these, uh, given second chances to many players in his career, including Mike Vick when he was in Philadelphia coming out of Leavenworth Prison uh, to, to sure. sign him as a quarterback. So, um, you know, he's a guy that believes in second chances. And, you know, if he gives one to Tyreek Hill, you hope he takes advantage of it. Um, but that aside, I, you know, the Chargers to me are, you know, We'll see what Phillip Rivers can do. You know, to me, he's always been – I know he's been a very good quarterback, but he's never been able to get to that big game and win that big game. I think he went to the Super Bowl once, but he's got to win that Super Bowl. Otherwise, he's got those Dan Marino-type numbers, and, you know, he's probably a Hall of Famer, but it would be nice to have a championship on his record. He's not getting any younger. He's got about 13 kids now, I think. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know the exact – That last count. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think his wife just went in last night and had another, so I'm not sure. But oh. no, I'm kidding. I, I don't know how many. He's got a lot of kids, um, but uh, he could start his own football team. Um, but you know, you, you kind of hope, you know. And I don't know Philip Rivers. I've never really even talked to Philip Rivers, even though the Eagles have played them, you know, a couple times in his career. I don't know what kind of guy he is off the field, so I don't know whether to root for him or not. Um, you know, I'm. They could be the team that, that wins the Super Bowl this year. I think they've got the pieces in place uh, to to kind of rise up and and do good things. I know it doesn't make you happy. It's in the AFC. The Colts are one of those teams <laughs> trying to unseat the Patriots too. But I think the Chargers are going to be a force. We'll see what the Broncos have. Uh, you know, uh, quarterback wise, Joe Flacco. You know, uh, the players in the OTAs were raving about Flacco and his arm, and he still has it at thirty whatever he is, thirty four, five years old now. Um, you know, can he have that rebirth in Denver if he can? That defense has kind of been up and down, inconsistent, but they still have Von Miller, a uh, great piece to build with. Um, so, you know, they they could make some noise in this thing. And, and the Raiders, John Gruden, second year, still not sold. They got some pieces. They filled some holes. They had a decent draft, I think. Um, and we'll see what Gruden can do with that whole thing. I, I think the Chargers are probably – uh, the best team in that division, although you can't discount the Chiefs at all. They're still, you know, they're still one of the teams that you got to contend with. But I like the Chargers in that division, if I had to say right now. Sitting here in June, before training camp, mini camp, the whole thing, I would pick the Chargers. And I think the Chargers have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I, I think we, we got a friendly rivalry that started brewing last year with the Kansas City Chiefs. So, <laughs> In the snow and yeah. everything. I mean, that was a, that was a great game, and and we have a rivalry with them that is a fun rivalry. Uh, we have a rivalry with the Patriots, which is a hatred. Right? So, so there's a big difference, if, if you will. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. Ed, I'm going to let you go ahead and just tell us where people can find your work in masterpieces, so I don't screw it up. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, well, it's the footballmaven.io slash eagles. Uh, it's on gotcha. the World Wide Web, www.footballmaven.io slash eagles. And uh, my stuff, or just hit me up on Twitter at Kratzy, K-R-A-C-Z-E. We always appreciate having Ed Kratz on with us, buddy. Congratulations. I know we went way overboard. I apologize. Thank you for for sticking around and not hanging up on me. <laughs> have, you, have yourself a good Do you have a pick real quick? Do you have a pick for the NBA Finals? Uh, how can you root against the uh, pick against the Raptors at this point? Um, they did yeah. win last night's game, right? So, I mean, so they're up three to one. Warriors are banged up, not having Durant hurts. Uh, uh, Kawhi Leonard, to me, has really, uh, you know, he's Superman this this postseason. I mean, how, how can you say he's not going to be anything but? They've got one, three games to win one more, and I think I think they'll do it. I think they'll come home back to Toronto whenever the next game is and win it. That's our teaser for our next segment. Coming up next, Mo for the BS Sports Show. Hey, and we're going to be talking about the, the <laughs> NBA Finals and the NHL Finals. By the way, go Blues. Ed, have yourself a good weekend, sir. Yeah, you too, Tom. Thanks. All right, buddy. Ed Grass, love having him on. Fun, fun, fun. A beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. Been a part of this show for so many years and really appreciate his input and his professionalism to our show. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Myself and Mo from the BS Sports Show. We're going to be talking some NBA Finals and the NHL, Stanley Cup, maybe some MLB. We'll be right back. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. See the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. 
Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like, early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. President, today we're down to the final countdown, if you will. Uh, and thank you to Tyson Lautenschlager from OnPayRoad.com calling us from Toronto to talk some IndyCar, but also uh, talk some NBA finals with us as well. And we've been talking OTAs with uh, Ed Kratz of the uh, beat writer of the Philadelphia Eagles and our official IndyCar contributor, Mo. And the BS Sports Show joins us now. Mo, we're going to talk some OTAs. We're going to talk some NBA. We'll do some rapid fire with you. And, of course, we're going to talk some Stanley Cup Finals. Go Blues. But real quickly, yeah, let's get your thoughts on Tyreek Hill not getting uh, not get, getting charged for uh, child abuse after all of that that we heard. Uh, I mean, you know, it's hard to say without honestly knowing the entire case. Obviously, uh, there have been issues in his past. Uh, so, you know, it, it's not a hard stretch to believe that this could have happened. And now it's not with just a female that's involving a child. Uh, if they are true, it's absolutely sickening, and, and the guy should never play another down of NFL football. However, we all know that uh, when you're in the NFL and, and you have talent, uh, that uh, that you get chance after chance after chance. And Tyreek Hill, it seems like, uh, is going to get uh, another chance with no – no active investigation right now, so it appears that uh, that he'll move forward and, and be ready to rock and roll with the Kansas City Chiefs this year. Yeah, and I guess I, I guess there's there's one part of that where where justice is blind. There's a reason that she wears a blindfold. So I, I guess I get that, but at the same time, I mean, it's just like, come on. 
how much proof do we need? Let's do some rapid fire here uh, real quickly so we can get into the NBA Finals. NFL News, the Texas just abruptly uh, fire uh, manager Brian Gaines. Here it is, June. You get, uh, NFL teams don't fire their GMs in June. What happened? Uh, well, they're not good. You know, there's just there's a lot of holes, I think, in there. And we see it a lot of times. I, I think teams are ready to move on from rookie managers and guys with lesser experience quicker than they are. Uh, the established guys, it seems like, guys who have been around for a while. Uh, and, and, you know, they're, uh, they're on that manager kind of carousel that they'll get more of a chance. The young guys. Uh, it seems like teams don't have a problem moving on from them quickly. You know, a lot of times these young guys don't really have a name, weren't really a popular hire with a fan base to begin with. So it seems like that uh, it, it's easy for a team to move on. So we just were talking with Ed Kratz, uh, obviously, about Carson Wentz's contract. Um, he thinks they made the right decision. Love him like a brother, I really do. But I kind of disagree with him, but – Hey, uh, they don't have the rainy day money anymore in, in uh, Jolly Old St. Nick, and they gave Carson Wentz a big contract. So they believe big time in Carson Wentz. Did the Eagles make a mistake there, or, or are they uh, crazy like a fox? Well, I mean, it's hard not to go with the the guy who's obviously younger. Uh, but, you know, you you look at Nick Foles, and he was going to want to get paid and paid big, and the Eagles weren't going to be able to do that uh, with Carson Wentz still there. And, you know, we, we've heard for a long, a long time from Ed that uh, that the Eagles absolutely love uh, Nate Sudfeld, former IU quarterback. So I think in their mind, yes. uh, you know, they, were, they, they had uh, what they wanted to move forward. And, you know, it, it's not about Carson Wentz obviously making mistakes or not playing well. It's just about him staying healthy. And I think, uh, you know, that there needs to be some kind of uh, coach or, or quarterback whisperer, a veteran that needs to tell him, hey, look, you know, a first down in the fourth quarter of a game when it doesn't matter doesn't mean a lot. So uh, it seems like right now, like he's got the RG3 disease where he's got to make, uh, he's got to make every, every first down, every play. You just don't have to do that. You've got to be willing to let plays go when you're an NFL quarterback. And I think that's the biggest issue with him. I mean, if you look talent-wise, you know, yeah, Nick Foles won the Super Bowl for him and had him deeper in the playoffs, but a lot of times it was Carson Wentz who got him there. So uh, I, I think they made the right decision. And when you've you got a backup that you, you have a lot of uh, faith in and a backup that you really like, it's, it's easier to move on from a guy like Nick Foles. So, hey, uh, I don't know if you got a chance because I know you're in – you, you kind of follow our gambling part of thing, and and boxing and gambling kind of go hand in hand. Who would have ever thought that Andy Ruiz Jr. Uh, uh, would would win the the heavyweight title? I mean, he brings back the coolness of dad bods, right? I mean, who would have thought? What are your thoughts about the heavyweight championship of the world? Not who you had expected it to be. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's a guy that definitely I think brings some interest to boxing. I think his win has intrigued a lot of people to kind of see what's going on in boxing who may have checked out for a while, uh, you know. But I think the cool thing about uh, about it was, you know, this was some of the long shots sometimes when you're betting that you know it's worth throwing ten bucks on or twenty bucks on or a hundred bucks on because if it comes through, it's a big score. So sometimes those are the uh, fun ones just to kind of take a shot at. If you, it, it's my. Uh, uh, what the hell bets is what I call them. If I got, if I've made a little money, you know, betting over the past couple of weeks, sometimes yeah. on a long shot like that, I'll just throw it on there, see what happens. 
All right. Well, let's let's get into the big news of the week. Obviously, the Toronto Raptors. We're talking with Tyson Lautenschlager at the beginning of the show. Calls us from Toronto. He's our favorite Canadian. First time the NBA's uh, finals have ever been in Canada. We titled our show today, "Oh Canada, One Game Away." I, t- I tell you what. Call me a hater. Haters love to hate. But I would love to see the Golden State Warriors go down and be done. And that 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 be over with. The Toronto Raptors have to have to have to uh, beat the Golden State Warriors. That's a personal reflection there. But give us your overall thoughts, opinions, and whatever scratch and sniffs of the NBA Finals this year, sir. Well, I think you know, with uh, in Game Three, I think when Steph was the only major star they had out there, I think that uh, he appreciated. A little more LeBron's side when they won when Golden State won their first title because LeBron played without Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving in those finals, and uh, and still had uh, uh, you know had uh, the Cavs in it. But you know it's uh, it's a time now for Toronto. They've got to put their foot on the throat of the Golden State Warriors uh, in Game Five on Monday. They have to because if you don't, bad things can happen like Kevin Durant getting healthier. So uh, you know and, and the and Toronto has been lucky to hold on in a few of those games. And then if you had Kevin Durant back in, uh, it's, a, it's a much different series. So I think the the key to this series uh, rests in game five. You know, I, I hate the term must-win game, but for Toronto, it is a must-win, not just because it's at home and you want to close out there. Obviously, every team wants to. But I think it, it, you've got to put your foot on the throat of the Golden State Warriors and kill them now because if you don't if, – if Toronto doesn't win game five, I don't know that they win the series. Is Kawhi the key guy there? Is he the general of the team? Oh, of course. Yeah, 100%. I mean, maybe not vocally, uh, but his actions and his play for sure is. I mean, he reminds you a lot. And and I heard heard, uh, uh, Mark Jackson bring it up on the broadcast last night. He does remind you. His game reminds you a lot of Kobe's because he hustles on defense. He can shoot the three. He can drive to the basket. He can pass the basketball. Uh, you know, so Kawhi is an all-around player. Now, the thing is, is Kawhi is such a, a weird dude personality-wise that, you know, I, I thought that Toronto making it this far and possibly winning a championship could keep him there, but I don't know that that's the case. You know what I mean? I don't. He was asked in, in, last night after the game uh, what this would mean to Canada and the, the Raptors fans if they won, uh, seeing what they did for San Antonio when he was there when they won. He's like, I don't know. You'd have to ask one of the, the, the people on the street or one of the Raptors fans. Like, I don't know that, that it's a big emotional thing for him. I think he's able to win a championship here and not emotionally be attached to a city or to a team like a lot of players would be and able to move on and, and be a clipper or whatever he wants to be next year. So I don't know that them winning the championship, while it would be great for Toronto and it'll be, uh, you know, somewhat exciting for the NBA to see Golden State knocked off. I don't know that, uh, that necessarily winning the championship now keeps uh, Kawhi in Toronto. Let's talk about Mark Stevens and his stupidity and the NBA and their stupidity. First of all, two things shouldn't have happened. I don't think that he should be banned from the NBA. He should just be banned from courtside. <laughs> Second of all, what? Why? Have you lost your mind? You're a minority owner of a team, and you want to just you want to push you want to push a, a you want to push a a Raptors uh, player on the court. I mean. Two stupidity things. I don't think they did anything to get him banned, but he certainly 
should be banned from courtside and to be up in a, a sweet drinking beer where he should be at. I'm still scratching well, I mean, my head. I'm like WTF here. Well, he's banned for a year, which I, I think is right, because if you remember, Mark Cuban uh, was banned for a portion of the season just for yelling at the rest from his courtside seat. Uh, you know, the NBA is very strict on, uh, you know, the way that their players act and conduct themselves as well as any team officials, including owners. So the fact that this was, you know, the showcase for the NBA, the NBA finals on national television, on ABC, and, and this happened, uh, you know, I'm surprised Adam Silver honestly didn't come down harder. You know, there was thoughts there for a minute that, uh, that the NBA could do like they did with Donald Sterling and force him to sell his minority ownership in the team. If you're an owner of a team, like if, if this would have been the first championship that Golden State had played for and his emotions were running high, okay, I get it. But the, what he did was stupid. It was Bush League. And, uh, you know, when you're an owner, you, you've, got to, you've got to carry yourself like an owner of an NBA team. But, you know, I think he's a, a cocky, brash, uh, hedge fund guy uh, out there in the Bay Area who was trying to show off to his girl, and he, he looked like a complete dick. So I, I think Adam Silver was right for doing uh, everything that he did. Uh, I, I agree with him 100%. As far as his actions, just absolutely stupid, absolutely stupid. But you can't act like that and, and be an owner and, and expect to not have punishment come down uh, from the NBA. I mean, if you look at uh, – uh, Doc Rivers got fined a half a million dollars just for responding to a question about Kawhi Leonard. So uh, being banned a year, he should consider himself lucky that he wasn't forced to, uh, to sell his minority ownership in the team. Kyle Lowry, though, I mean, we want to say maybe he's just he, – he, he, he should be just above it. I mean, apparently, Mark, uh, apparently uh, there was um, – some exchange of words, and uh, apparently Stevens was uh, was yelling some rude, crude things to him. But uh, Kyle Lowry also decided, "Hey, uh, you want a piece of this?" He he should have been better than that. I mean, come on. When first of all, we we see NBA players very very few times do they actually get into a fight. They might they might bump into each other, get in each other's faces, and talk trash. But Kyle Lowry could have just said, "Man, I don't, I don't. I'm here in the NBA Finals. I don't want nothing to do with this." And just totally ignored it because let, let's be real. How many times does does the NBA players across the NBA, not just this game, but across the NBA, when they're when they're when they're at a visiting team, hear courtside people or even people close to the court? Yell obscenity to them. Kyle Lowry could have been the better man and just say, "I'm done. I don't. I don't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pursue that." So, I look at both 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 parties are being guilty here. Well, I I, I disagree in that just because of the fact that I don't know that it was necessarily the words that were said, but when a, you know everybody remembers the the whole Ron Artest ordeal with the fans in Detroit. When when a fan puts his hands on you, it, when you're an NBA player, that should sure. never happen. Not one time, never. I, I think. I think the security at Oracle Arena is the, to blame for that. And obviously, a guy who's a minority owner of the team should know better. So when you're an NBA player, you don't expect to ever have your hands put on by the crowd. Yes, they, they get uh, you know taunted and, and things said to them that are nasty all the time. Uh, but when a fan puts his hands on, on a player, I think you know, if I, I think Kyle, Kyle Lowry showed great reserve in not, not uh, uh, you know, retaliating against him because you, you think you're on, you're on the biggest stage of them all. 
first time there for a lot of these guys on that Raptors team, and they're playing in enemy territory, trying to go up, uh, you know, two games to one. It's towards the end of the game, and then, uh, you know, you've got this pompous jerk who, who decides to push you as you're trying to make a play, a hustle play in the NBA freaking finals in the fourth quarter. It, there's no call for it, and, uh, you know, some of the guys would have taken a swing. I mean, I, mean, I really believe they do, and, and and for a fan to, to retaliate like that and put his hands on you, absolutely uncalled for. So, uh, to me, I think he showed great restraint and not further, you know, letting his emotions get the better of him and not hurting his team by being suspended for uh, retaliating. Yeah, valid point. You know, NBA is uh, a little bit different as far as the fans' access to the game of play. Uh, I mean, football, obviously nowhere close. Maybe close with the MLB when you when you see players reach over and maybe interfere with the catching of a foul ball, but not not, not like the NBA. So, a couple of things that people might be talking about is: Are we going to start moving back these seats a little bit? Are we going to start putting security between the fans and, and and the court? I mean, I don't know. Well, I mean. I like the idea of moving the fans back a little bit, but remember, like in every sport, Tom, that at the end of the day, it's all about the almighty dollar. And those seats, yep. especially in playoffs and finals time, they cost a fortune. And so yeah. uh, the people who buy those seats, aren't, they aren't going to be as worth, worth as much as if you move them back. You know, So uh, uh, there's going to be something that has to be done. I don't know if it is more security, but the people who pay for those seats are, are never, ever – and that's the biggest thing. Like that dude doesn't pay for those seats, you know what I mean? Like they, it's not even like he's a paying customer. So uh, I, I think that uh, you could see where the NBA no longer allows uh, owners uh, to sit on courtside. You know that that could be a move that they make. But I, I think there will you will see a heightened security uh, and it maybe not be uh, arena security, but you know you know the NFL has its own security force that is at every game and, and does all that stuff. So I think you might see to where the NBA starts, uh, you know. Uh, having their own security team that works these, uh, that works these games. So let's uh, just talk a little bit about the fan, you know, talking about the fans and baseball, a little bit of a different story. And it's a, it's a sad story. We, we saw what happened with the Boston Red Sox and the little girl. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I apologize. I said Boston Red Sox. I meant the Chicago Cubs and Boston Red Sox game, but it was the Cubs player who hit the foul ball and uh, hit the little girl in the face. Obviously he was distraught. And we saw it happen again here in Indianapolis with the Indianapolis Indians and in the AAA team. Um, are we to a point where we get like Japan, where we put netting all the way around the the, the, the field? Yes, I think we do. Um, you know, we saw it have to happen in hockey uh, some 10, 15 years ago. And, you know, I've, I've heard the baseball purist uh, uh, say that you know that's gonna that's gonna ruin the game you know i've sat behind home plate numerous times and after the first two minutes when you sit down you don't notice it anymore you know what i mean like it, it yeah it, you just you you, it, you don't notice it anymore um you know to me as much time as, as people spend on their phones at games or not paying attention or talking or you know what i mean it's just it it's a safety thing that this can't continue to happen. It's just, it's not right. Now, the one thing that does eliminate is, you know, that, and that will eliminate contact with players going into the seats. You know, we've seen a lot of uh, Derek Jeter plays over the years or, or uh, Ozzy Smith who makes those miraculous catches over the wall uh, or very good third baseman who do that. So that, that will eliminate that some, but 
at the end of the day, you know, for fan safety, I think it's going to be a move that has to be done. And, and that once you sit down in your seats, you continue not to notice it. it you know, sitting behind home plate, it's still an amazing experience whether that's there or not. So I, I think that, yes, sooner or later that's, that's going to happen, and hopefully sooner rather than later. Because I'll tell you, when, when I take my kids to the game, whether it be hockey or baseball, we always sit behind the net because I have younger kids, so we sit behind the net, whether it's baseball or hockey. And you know what? It, at least it, it gives me, uh, you know, a little bit of peace of mind when I'm trying to deal with two kids, you know, at, at a game. It's a lot easier to do that when I don't have to worry about the ball or the puck coming at us. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm all for it, honestly. You know, maybe maybe if I was single, uh, you know, and didn't have any kids, maybe I wouldn't care as much about it. But to see it happen, especially to a kid, it, it's just it's yeah. it's unbelievable and, and it's a terrible thing. So I, I'm all for it. I love the game of baseball, but. It's not going to hurt my experience one bit if I'm sitting down the third baseline and there's a uh, there's a net there, not one bit. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we, you were talking about hockey. So there's two of my favorite teams that are playing, St. Louis Blues. One game away, baby, one game away. Real quickly, let's break down the Stanley Cups. They're going to bring it home in the Arch City. And then there's something else going on in St. Louis as a baseball that you and I will agree to disagree on. And we'll get to that in just a second. But the Stanley Cup finals, my St. Louis Blues going to do it, baby. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's another thing, just like the Raptors, where I think they've got to uh, they've got to uh, end it, uh, you know, tonight. I, I don't think that uh, it'll be wise for them to let this series go back to Boston. Uh, you know, Boston plays such a physical game that uh, normally it's worn other teams down. We saw it happen. Uh, uh, you know, to a Columbus Blue Jackets team that was hot. Uh, they've played so physical that I think that they tire other teams out, but I think maybe that physical play now has gotten to the point to where they, they started to run out of gas a little bit. You know, and it's been uh, it's been some great goaltending, uh, but can you can you continue to trust him after the onslaught from a few games back? Can you continue to trust Carlos' goaltender to make uh, more amazing shots, uh, more amazing stops like he did, uh, you know, the other night in Boston? So, uh, if, if you're St. Louis, I think that you've got to put the series to bed tonight. It just, it, it, it's, and it's going to be a highly emotional thing being back home, uh, trying to bring the cup home to St. Louis. I, I, it, can they, can they try to uh, keep the nerves at bay and come out there and play strong hockey first? I, you know, to me, St. Louis has got to score early. They've got, and they've got to score first. They've got to make uh, Boston play catch up. So. Uh, you know, and, and it'll be interesting to see how the refs uh, react because, you know, there were a couple of uh, calls that were considered controversial the other night that led to a St. Louis goal. So will we see uh, the referee and, and, and the calls tighten up? So, uh, you know, you're going to have to fill out the game early. I think it's important from the score, obviously, first. Uh, but it's going to be important, I think, for both teams to fill the refs out and how they're calling this game. Well, I said there were two games in St. Louis. I meant there were two games of St. Louis that matter. And uh, let's let's put on the MLB hat for just a few moments. My Cardinals against your Cubs, Flatter against Lester, Oza against Rizzo. <laughs> I mean, I don't really care what the record is. It's the Cardinals and the Cubs. That is the rivalry. I mean, people say what you want about the Yankees and the Red Sox. You know, say what you want about the Giants and the Dodgers. Say what you want about any other rivalry in baseball. Nothing's more richer, nothing's more better than my St. Louis Cardinals and your Chicago Cubs, which suck, by the way. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, the, I think the Cubs are looking for uh, a little bit of revenge after uh, 
after last weekend's sweep. Um, you know, uh, Cole Hamels uh, um, had a pretty good game yesterday, double-digit strikeout game uh, as they beat the Cardinals 3-1. Uh, you know, the one thing that isn't going to show up, obviously, for a week or two, uh, I think, for the Cubs, is saying that Craig Kimball, Kimble, uh, just because, you know, the Cubs' bullpen has struggled mightily this year. Uh, we've seen the Cubs give up leads and give up games, you know, in the last couple of innings for uh, numerous times this year. So I think that's that's big uh, uh, for the uh, – for the um, uh, for the Cubs, so uh, you know it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. Hopefully, the Cubs can uh, can get back those three games that they blew the Cardinals last weekend. Well, we haven't had a chance to talk much in MLB, so let's just kind of go through today's game and just uh, wet our te- uh, taste buds with the N- 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 MLB. Obviously, with the NBA finals and a lot of other stuff going on in sports, we just haven't got to the MLB. We have not forgot about it because I know you and I are both big baseball fans. Today, the Rays and the Red Sox kick things off at 1 o'clock. Uh, what say you, sir, uh, the Rays and the Red Sox? Well, I mean, you know, the Dead Bay Rays have been a, a surprise this year, obviously, because there's not a lot of big-name uh, players on that team. And, and the Red Sox, who are defending world champions, you know, we've expected a lot more from them. You know, they're finally a couple of games above uh, 500, but they still sit six and a half games behind the Yankees. And I think all of baseball is, is waiting to see when they try to kick this in the gear. Uh, so, you know, it'll be interesting, two of the teams in the top three and, and from the division likely were maybe – both of the wild card teams come from. Uh, so it'll be interesting, you know, going to be an important game, even though it's so early on, uh, if it comes down to these two teams battling for wild card spots uh, at the end of the year, you know, these games here could be one of being important. So, uh, you know, again, it, it's, it's all the big name, high priced talent against, uh, you know, the, it seems like the, the average Joe's out there and do it every day for Tampa Bay. So it should be a fun game. You know, the athletics are, are uh, on the road against my uh, favorite American League team, and that's the Texas Rangers. I do love me some Rangers. I'm going to say go Rangers, but what are your thoughts against the A's and the Rangers? Well, you know, two teams that, uh, again, are barely above 500. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it's it's a, a, a game right now that, to me, is a, eh, you know. Uh, you got teams that are 10 and 11 games back. Uh, in their division, the Astros are obviously the class of that division, and, and I don't see either one of them catching them. So, uh, you know, I think they're going to have to try to play to have a decent record, to try to make us a wild card team. But I don't think anybody catches the Astros. You know, the the other Chicago team and Kansas City uh, today, neither one of those teams seem to be lighting the world on fire. Just a few years back, we saw both of those teams lighting the world on fire. What happened to the Royals? What happened to the to the to the White Sox? Yeah, they both suck. Uh, you know, Dallas <laughs> Point. <laughs> I mean, to be quite honest, they're they're both terrible. They're both going through rebuilds. Uh, I think I think that the um, uh, I think that uh, uh, the White Sox have a little bit more talent right now, uh, and and they may be primed to to make a run a little quicker. The the Royals are just I mean they're terrible. They're, they're twenty and forty three, twenty two and a half games out. There's there's no way that they do anything at all for the next few years. Another fun team to watch is sitting right at five hundred, and that's the Diamondbacks, and they are in Toronto against the Blue Jays. Not a lot to talk about there with that game, but the Arizona Diamondbacks are kind of in a proving stage at this point. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, the Diamondbacks are they trade away their big star. 
uh, you know, and, and they're, they've still got some pretty good pitching. They've got some young guys that, that could be decent, but, you know, you trade away a franchise player and, uh, you know, you, it's a signal to your fans that, hey, we've got to try to redo this thing. I hate these slow rebuilds that teams do. I like the way that the Cubs a few years ago, you know, seven, eight years ago just blew it up, and they knew they are going to be bad for a while, but, you know, it brought them a World Series. So I'm more of a fan. If you're going to try the slow rebuild, don't just blow the whole thing up and, and try to move forward. I think we're both completely okay with this afternoon's game, another National League uh, Central team, and that's the Reds against the Phillies. Uh, The Reds are doing what the Reds do, and and the Reds are are just there. (laughs) But they're playing a very good Phillies team. I, again, don't look for a lot of fireworks out of this game, but uh, if the Phillies pull off a win and can can stretch that margin with the, the Reds, I'm completely okay with. Uh, Are you you know, I mean, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. Uh, you know, the, uh, the, the Phillies, they're, a, they're a team that, uh, uh, you know, obviously have made some high price moves. They're, a, they're a team that, uh, uh, you know, you would expect more from at this point. I mean, it's not like they're having a bad season at any, by any means they are in first place, two games ahead of the Braves. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Reds, the Reds are in a division that's very tough. You know, I, I think the Reds may be in what might be in the most competitive division. They're in last place, but they're seven games out. And, you know, and they're still trying to figure things out. Uh, so, you know, they've got a bunch of talent that, that was new to the team and the Reds. But they're trying to get to play together and figure it out. They still need some pitching, obviously. Uh, but, you know, they're not by any means where they sit in last place out of it. So, uh, you know, I, I think the Reds have a shot to uh, make some moves if they feel like it. Uh, or they're going to have a, a, be able to offload some guys um, uh, that, uh, you know, they can bring some younger guys in. So I think the Reds are in an okay spot as we move towards, uh, you know, towards July. Well, you know, we're about out of time here, but uh, we got one more game to talk about. Uh, um, and my screen just went funky, bro. Just started going flash, flash, flash. We overloaded it, I guess. But it's the Twins and the Tigers Brownsburg's own uh, uh, Gibson, and by the way, his first name escapes me. Kyle Gibson, I'm sorry, Kyle Gibson uh, of the Twins. Uh, you know, when I say Brownsburg, I like everybody knows who, where Brownsburg is. Obviously, west suburb of Indianapolis. We know who Browns where Brownsburg is, but they take on the Detroit Tigers. The Twins on a on a tear though. They're doing some good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you look at the Twins. People thought that it might be the second-best team in the division this year, uh, but I don't think anybody saw them just jumping out and running away. And, and, you know, honestly, they may be the best team in baseball that nobody's talking about. They're a team that's got it all. they got hitting, they got pitching, they got defense, and they're definitely a team to be reckoned with, I think, when it comes playoff time. I, I like everything about this Minnesota Twins team. Yeah, so we'll see We'll see what happens. We've been talking with Mo from the BS Sports Show. Mo, thanks for talking with us about the NBA Finals, the NHL. Uh, what's on your agenda for the weekend, sir? Anything exciting? Uh, watching hockey. <laughs> Quit pucking around, all right? Quit <laughs> <do> some pucking. <laughs> I will. I will, my friend. I will. All right, buddy. Have yourself a good weekend. Where can people find your work at Masterpieces, sir? On Twitter, at Mo Radio Show. All right, buddy. We'll talk with you soon. Have yourself a good weekend. You too, buddy. Mo from the BS Sports Show. Man, what a fun show it's been today. And unfortunately, all good things must come to an end. And uh, 
we're at that two-minute warning. Remember, just remember to follow us on on um, Twitter at T-Balance. But also, if you're listening to us on the podcast, thank you, uh, first of all. But there's one other thing you've got to do if you've not done it, and that's hit subscribe or add or favorite, whatever it is, so that every time we load a new podcast, which is our show, you'll get to hear it in full. Because we know that everybody doesn't listen to us live as 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 we'd like, but hey, we're there on the podcast. We're out there in podcast world. My name's Tom Marquez, El Presidente. Thank you, Tyson Lotsager, AllPitRoad.com, Ed Kratz, uh, Philadelphia Eagles beat writer and our official NFL contributor, and of course, Mo from the BS Sports Show. Remember, don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here. We'll see you here next Saturday right here on the Balance Radio Network. I'm out of here. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.